1: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast, I'm your host Arjun Musgrove and I'm joined by BBC Radio Newcastle's Matthew Raised Match Day commentator. Matthew, thanks for popping on to the pod, how are you doing?
2: I'm very well, thanks for having me, nice to see you.
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting uh, few weeks at Newcastle United. It seems like a lifetime ago since we were uh, under the Milburn stand uh, amongst thousands of people and we didn't even say anything to one another did we? we kind of just looked at one another and just took in the moment and that was the day the Newcastle cast takeover was announced and it was a very special day i uh, just sum up your thoughts of the, the previous six weeks
2: well i think probably we'd all got to a stage where we thought that it it might never happen because we'd been waiting so long whether as a supporter or as someone like us who's lucky enough to cover it um, through their job. Uh, so when it happened, it was it was just quite surreal, wasn't it? But for us, you and I to be there outside the ground when it happened, I think was quite special because of the way that the supporters responded and, and the thousands that gathered over uh, the course of a few hours. So I don't think we'll forget um, what it was like to be there. Um, an incredible atmosphere. It was like a like a party, wasn't it? And almost, I think, it, it, it's what you would expect if the club had won a trophy. But for many fans, it probably felt that it was akin to that level of success because it was the change that they had been craving for, well, most of Mike Ashley's 14 and a half years at the club. So, yeah, it's probably still sinking in for a lot of people. Because it had been, um, well, such a, a long time coming and especially with this deal, you know, 18 months, two years and, and it's happening and then it's not. And then it, it might be resurrected and then it goes quiet. And then, you know, we were I think we we're all looking ahead to January, weren't we? And the, the, the arbitration, it obviously didn't get that far. That wasn't needed. And even in the week that it happened at the beginning of October last month, um, you know, I remember we were at Harrogate for the under-21s on the Tuesday and and we were talking about the Newcastle United Supporters Trust survey about Steve Bruce and about the club and, you know, on the back of the defeat by Wolves away thinking, well, where do they go from here and um, what is the immediate future? And then the immediate future the following day, the Wednesday, was that the takeover was going to happen and on the Thursday it did. So, yeah, quite incredible. But, obviously the club needed it for football reasons there are other elements to this that have been covered quite extensively and will continue to be so important issues uh, in the news uh, but for the fans who don't get to choose who own their clubs who have no control over who the owners are um it is it is great news and and Yeah, look, a a weight has been lifted from them, hasn't hasn't it? And I think we can still feel the positivity that's around, even though the team's position in the league hasn't really changed.
1: Yeah, that's the funny thing, isn't it? When you look at the the form and the results and the performances and, like you say, the position of Newcastle United, it, it doesn't seem to match up with the way the fans are feeling. I mean, Newcastle are in a real fight against relegation and we'll talk later in the show about just how tough of a task Eddie Howe's got. And yet there's still this positivity, belief, hope. And that is simply because Mike Ashley has gone. A man of the public investment fund and the Rubens have come in. And, you know, it's been six weeks. It's it went, It's went. it been a whirlwind pace. That the deal going through and kind of the, the click of the fingers. I think a lot of people were caught off guard by it. Um, how would you sum up what they've done so far? Like you said, they've only been in a limited time. They've barely got their feet under the table. But have you been... Impressed with with the new owner so far?
2: oh I think just the fact that they are there and the takeover has gone through just unlocks the club's potential, and it's an opportunity for Newcastle United and probably for everyone connected with the club to have a better future. And you know, we understand in in the northeast what the feelings of the fans are generally and what they want, what they look for. Um, whereas that's often misrepresented, I think, in national media, especially by pundits, um, usually those who don't have any connection to the club. So we can see, I think, what it what it could mean for the club in the future, but also what it means right now. And just the fact that they are here is hugely significant and that Mike Ashley is no longer the owner. Um, but the way that they have handled it in the first six weeks has from some still attracted a little bit of criticism particularly around the the managerial situation and why wasn't Steve Bruce removed immediately why did it take um, a couple of weeks for him to leave by mutual consent and then the recruitment process for a new head coach and everything to do with Unai Emery and everyone's got their own opinions on who the best person Could be. I don't think there was any real consensus was there on who the right man should be from the beginning, um, which may well have been an issue for the people in charge. There was no Rafa Benitez available who you could have gone for, who perhaps would have stood out as the obvious candidate. Um, But they made big decisions already. There will be more because there is so much more to sort out. As Amanda Stavely put it last week in her interview with the club website, investment is needed at every area of the club that is no surprise to us or to anyone who's listening but it is good to see that there is that level of understanding even so early on as they continue to learn about the club and its inner workings and what's good because there are some things that are good but what needs to change and and what needs to be better so for this ownership group there isn't a lot of hands-on football experience there's Jamie Rubin who was previously a director at Queen's Park Rangers but for everyone else running a football club or being involved in the running of a football club is new um so they'll bring their expertise from the business world uh, and the success that they've had everywhere else and you hope that that can translate into um good running of Newcastle United. They certainly, I think, still have so much goodwill and so much credit in the bank where the fans are concerned. And when Amanda Stabley said, like you've already pointed out, that if there are mistakes, they will own up to them. It's refreshing to hear that because mistakes will be made. And like I say, some fans may think that they've made mistakes already, but they've communicated. And it's it's been said quite a lot, hasn't it, that they've spoken more in the last six weeks than um, the previous owner or regime did in 14 years so if they want to communicate whether it's good or bad that's a good thing definitely but you would hope that with these people they'll be more good than bad to talk about
1: yeah i mean the communication is a, is a key element i think of their, their ownership i've seen a few people other fans journalists say that maybe mana is talking too much but she's only done two tv interviews uh to my knowledge uh one with the club and then one with uh, Sky a, a few weeks back when the deal was, was complete and for a fan base who was starved of communication, you know, they'll take all the communication they, they can get whether it's a, a, you know, a short statement about the, the gentleman who unfortunately collapsed in the East stand against Spurs, you know, just an update about him which is more than a sentence or whether it is about you know, the, the, the future plans about the January transfer window etc it all matters to Newcastle United fans who Above all else, if all they've ever really wanted was to know what's going on with their club, and I think maybe that gets lost in translation uh with other fans and uh, people, other people who, who cover football but aren't based here in the northeast, where they don't maybe understand just how important that communication is.
2: I think to appreciate the extent of the change already, you probably have to have some understanding of how different it was and and in communication terms and in many other ways how bad it was before um i I would would say as well though that there have always been some fantastic people working at the club who care about newcastle and who've done a good job in difficult times for the club and often in difficult circumstances and those people remain there um but look the change is the change that the club needed. And there will be small steps in some ways, but they've taken a huge leap forward just by having people in charge who want to talk. And the fact that we had a statement confirming before the Spurs game, Steve Bruce would be in charge and from the owners thanking everyone for the warm welcome. Well, I thought that was a good move, even if you didn't like the content. And then a statement after um, Bruce left, and then, you know, interviews last week as well and and various other bits and pieces about other club news. Um, communication needed to be more frequent and it needed to be more effective. And I think it has been so far. And yes, you probably can say too much. And if we look down the road at Sundland with Stuart Donald, their um, former owner, and the way that he spoke in his early days at the club, there was a lot and it was welcomed. And then when results weren't going so well, it wasn't seen as uh, as positive uh, or productive. So it is about striking the right balance. Um, but but you and I know from a, a club that didn't say much at all um, over a decade and a half to have people who, who are accessible, approachable and understand the importance of speaking to the fans, whether it's through the club or through the... Um, the external media, the likes of us, then um, that makes a big difference. And it's those little things. And I know you've reported on on some of them, uh, it, even just the windows being cleaned at St James's Park, the optics there. That looks great. And those are those little things that new owners can oversee and can do that just make a massive difference to the fans because that's what was missing. You know, never mind... Having a team that's successful on the pitch, that will hopefully come in time. But right now, you sort those things out, little things like that, that are probably relatively easy to fix and put right. And then you're going to have even more support and goodwill from the fans because it's that kind of attention that the club is needed and, and hasn't really had. But also, the investment will be there to do those small things and then bigger things as well. And like I said um quoting Staveley earlier it's all areas of the club that need to be improved so they're clearly setting about that work
1: yeah i mean them little wins are huge newcastle United fans and again for those outside of the f- football club outside the city it look daft won't it you know fans <laughs> celebrating the fact that eddie howe came into training before the sun came up or yeah. the windows being clean but it, in many ways it shows where the ball was set under mike ashley you know i i i'm a firm believer that really fans with along with the communication just wanted to see their club you know adored by mike ashley like they adore it you know and take a bit of pride in it because that stadium sits on the hill and it matters to them so much and we never really got that under mike ashley um and i mean one of the other things as well and we were going to hear from um local singer junior turner later in the show his song banks of the river tyne has been played at st james's park for the last few home games i think it'll be played against brentford as well and it's little things like that that make a difference and i actually i spoke to him yesterday and um i've woke up with the song in my head which is uh which is uh, it's quite an addictive little song so we'll um we'll hear a little bit of it later in the show and he's also auctioning off a signed copy of his cd for the food bank it was signed by eddie how we caught him outside the training ground last week it's currently matthew at 357 pounds which um, will go a long way to helping uh, families who need the food bank. So that's brilliant to see. We'll, we'll uh, like I say, listen, uh, hear from Junior later in the show. Um, you mentioned Stavely there, Matthew, in the interview she did with the uh, the club's TV channel or the club's uh, you know, uh, yeah, YouTube. Um, and she mentioned there the quote, if we do make mistakes, we will quickly up to them and put them right. There was other things um about the January Transfer window, other things about Eddie Howe. Uh, you know, I've I've been very impressed with her. We were at the foundation dinner as well last week. And given the six weeks she's had, her and her, her husband, uh you could have been they would have been forgiven for sitting that one out maybe. Putting their feet up in the hotel, you know, and uh, getting ready to unveil Eddie Howe the day after at St. James's Park, but they didn't. They were there at St James's Park. They were there to celebrate the Newcastle United Foundation. Uh, to back it which they will do. She's consistently mentioned the foundation in an early every interview she's done about how proud she is and how she, you know, wants to work with them and make sure they've got the funds to go forward. And it was brilliant to see. It was it was really good to see because at the end of the day for me you know it's the community which makes this club.
2: Yeah, well the foundation's a huge part of Newcastle United and um I think probably when you fortunate enough to be at their, their annual event, um, you really gain a greater understanding of the work that they do and just how um, deep it all runs and and how much they're doing, the breadth of work that, that they do to help people in the communities around Newcastle. And one of the things Amanda Stavely said was that um, the club can probably help the foundation more and, look i don't think anybody would would have an issue with that would they because of uh, the work they do helping people who um are in need so it was really good to see that she was there alongside her husband also from pcp capital partners merdad Gudusi, and uh, she spoke brilliantly on stage and for the rest of the night didn't really get um, a moment's peace because people wanted selfies and wanted to chat. But like I said earlier, they're, they're visible, they're accessible and and nothing was too much trouble. Um, And that's nice. And again, you know, they've taken over a club. that's in a relegation battle that could be playing championship football next season. And I'm not being hysterical by saying that if you look at the table, that is a real possibility. And she even said herself that they needed a manager who isn't frightened of relegation and, and, They've got Eddie Howe and, and he understands because he's been in that situation before. But what they're doing in other areas of the club, like going to the foundation dinner and, and being there all night and, and meeting people, is so, so important. And and it's about showing that that love and that care for the club and everything that it does and everything that it stands for um, that I think is really cutting through and, and um, earning them even more respect from fans. But I should say as well that in previous years, Lee Charnley, who'd been managing director, also attended, um, didn't speak on stage in the foundation dinners that I'd been to, like Staveley did. But obviously that, that link between the foundation and the clubs being there, but if it can be strengthened, then um, you know, so many people who need to will benefit from it.
1: Eddie Howe, new head coach of Newcastle United. And like you say, Matthew, it was it was kind of prolonged, wasn't it? Who was going to take charge of Newcastle United? It was really important that they got someone in very early on in the international break. Unai Emery I mean, looked like he was the man to come in and it would have been a huge, huge uh, coup to get him in. Didn't happen in the end. Eddie Howe is the man in charge. What do you make of his appointment?
2: Well, I, I'm pleased. I think it's a really good appointment and I know that there was the push for Unai Emery and an attempt to get him. But on reflection, is Eddie Howe maybe better suited to the situation at Newcastle or now? And I would say probably yes, even though Unai Emery is clearly an elite manager who has won things at the very top uh, throughout his Time as a coach. The thing I like about Eddie Howe is that he is renowned for his coaching and improving teams, but improving the individual players within that. He has also managed Bournemouth, where there's not as much pressure or attention, but it had been about for them for most of their time in the Premier League, staying in the division, and improving. So making a team and making individuals better and staying in the Premier League, that is exactly what Newcastle need. Absolutely what they need. So, uh, because he's hands-on, and by all accounts, um, from people we've spoken to on on the radio about him, we've played with him or or have worked with him through being in the media, he does a lot of the coaching. So that will be different because obviously it was... um, divided up in in into different areas and and different people previously um so that will be interesting and we've seen already haven't we how um how involved he's been through the videos that the club have released or training at st james's park even on saturday but he's he'll have his staff with him that he knows and trusts and and they'll have quite a big backroom team now with four coaches alongside him and um is a head of uh, head of sports science that they've brought in from Bournemouth as well. So, yeah, I like the way that he started. I think uh, it's been a, a positive week or so for him. I, I thought he spoke very well. He, uh, he was impressive. He's a good communicator, and that's another thing that's important at Newcastle because Steve Bruce was criticised every week, uh, every Friday when the uh, the quotes and the audio and the video from his press conference and interviews were published, um, it didn't go down well. And even post-match, whatever the result. So you've got someone now who is, I think, a bit more considered in what he says, but also um, someone who's maybe just a bit more of a natural when it comes to to talking to the fans so, yeah, he was, he was very polished and very smooth last week. But I think, I think that communication is really good. And, and especially here, because everything a manager says, everything anyone from the club says, um, is listened to and analysed uh, in a very detailed way by supporters because of the appetite for information and news from the club. So from the football side of things, yeah, I think it is a good appointment. It did take a while. But there are always, well, usually aren't there always more than one um, contender for the job, so I don't think that's really a problem. If he does a good job, that's all that matters. He's the man that's here, so if he does well, Newcastle do well. And, um, I thought it was, um, yeah, an impressive introduction at the press conference last week.
1: Yeah, most certainly. I think, like you said many people there was many different people that were being pushed forward uh, by sections of fans and that's just normal but if he does a good job that'll be all forgotten and you look across social media and everyone has been more than welcoming to eddie Howe. of course some pundits suggested newcastle United fans would be uh, underwhelmed by the, the appointment but i think largely like we say the the reaction's been absolutely spot on you see he's come across really well in his press conference as well and we'll talk a little bit more about that but, Matthew, you know, we, we can talk about his attacking style of football. We can talk about the fact that, you know, after uh, losing his job at Bournemouth or walking away from the job at Bournemouth, he hasn't just sat on his backside. He's gone out and he's improved himself as a coach, you know, talking to all these um, top-class managers, going in and watching games, heading here, heading there, you know, taking tips and, and guidance and what have you. But the bottom line is, is that Newcastle are 19th in the Premier League. They haven't won a game all season. Their defence, we'll put it politely, looks slow. It looks past, really. um, Well, yeah, I am going to say it looks a bit past it. The players, unfortunately, I think, you know, it's a kind of a sign of Mike Ashley's lack of investment in the club. And there's a big task ahead for him. And it's not going to be easy. And before I get your view on that, I'm just going to play a quick clip from Stephen Taylor who was at the uh, foundation dinner and he said something similar about the task ahead for Eddie Howe. And, uh, obviously you've come back at an exciting time as well, what's your thoughts on it, firstly the takeover and then the appointment of Eddie Howe? Oh, it's
0: about time, I, I've said it all the time, it's just uh, it's been waiting for ages and I think Newcastle fans needed that. You can see the atmosphere of the last game and everybody now just got that bit of a belief and everyone talks about the hope but it ain't going to happen overnight. I think a new manager coming in now is, is going to hopefully
1: excite the crowd and the way his front foot. Football is, and something different of probably the previous two managers. So it'll be uh, hopefully um, good times ahead. There you have it, Matthew. The, the thoughts of Stephen Taylor. Um, what are your thoughts on the on the task ahead for Eddie Howe?
2: Well, I agree with the point that it's not going to happen overnight. This is a a long term situation, isn't it? Whether it's the new owners coming in to try and transform the club's fortunes or the new head coach to try and put things right this season. Um, But as we've said, his experience of being at the bottom end of the Premier League with Bournemouth, even though it's a different club with, you know, arguably different agendas, I think will be important um, because he'll understand what you need in the dressing room, but also out on the field to get results and, They've got someone here now who I think has an opportunity, particularly over the next two or three weeks with the fixtures that Newcastle have, to make a big impression. Now, on the face of it, Brentford at home for his first match, a Brentford team I think that's lost four in a row, is a good fixture. That's a favourable-looking fixture. But we've had quite a few of those at Newcastle this season. And they haven't won any of them, and it wasn't the most fearsome start to the season with with the fixtures they had. Um, yes, they've had to had to go to Manchester United, of course, and they've played Chelsea already at home and Spurs. But beyond that, you know the other games that they've played, you would say that they sh- they should have won three or four of them you would have thought they were good enough to do that and actually in two cases they very nearly did Southampton which was an awful game and and probably I think maybe the worst performance of the season Um, and they almost won it and conceded from a penalty deep into added on time and then Watford where they played well uh, and they had 26 shots I think and should have been out of sight and drew but then should have won with Murphy and then nearly lost it when Watford went down the other end in in injury time. So, you know, you can never predict, can you? But you'd think that Brentford at home, and yes, they've got to go to an informal Arsenal after that, but then those two home matches in a week at the end of the month and into next month, Norwich and Burnley, that could go a long way to determining how this season goes and where Newcastle end up because you would say they've got to get Minimum of seven points from those three games, but but hopefully three of them come against Brentford because you're going to need that lift. And even two results is not enough to take you out the relegation zone yet. A win and a draw won't. It'll only take you to nine points. So, yeah, those results have got to come soon. But I think you can get off to a good start. And then actually, finally, on this point, if you look at the fixtures in December, we're guilty of this in the media. I know a lot of fans do it as well. You compare season on season, the results. So you look at what they've got in December and it doesn't look good, does it, with Manchester United, uh, Manchester City, Everton away, Leicester, Liverpool. Not necessarily in that order, by the way. Um, But last season, they won at Everton, won at Leicester, drew with Liverpool. So, you know, in recent times, they've got results in those games. It almost certainly won't go the same way, but that is much harder so they've got to get off to a a good start under Eddie Howe, and and hopefully they will.
1: Now, Brentford on Saturday, and we will have the usual match preview with John Gibson on Thursday. Do you foresee him, Matthew, making many changes? Because I've mentioned they're my feelings on the defence, and you have nine games here where until the January transfer window, so all he has to work with, anyhow, is the defence that he's got. And for me, that is the the big issue. I'm just wondering how you think he can solve it, because they are conceding far too many goals, they are getting caught out. How does he fix that with with just the the squad he's got?
2: No clean sheet yet this season. There's two Premier League teams that haven't kept a clean sheet. Question for you. Do you know who the other one is?
1: I want to say Manchester United.
2: (laughs) I can can understand why you'd say that. It's not. Um, It is a team Newcastle have already played. Should I answer and then
1: you answer it? Yes, yeah, if me embarrassing I, I myself. Think,
2: yeah, um, well, but but that, that that I think shows the scale of the challenge, doesn't it? With the defence, because no clean sheet after after eleven games. Yes, there was the the Burnley cup tie, but we're, we're talking in Premier League terms at the moment, aren't we? Um, it's the the chopping and changing between a back four and a back five um back three if you want to call it three rather than five has we've understood that because of how steve bruce's had explained uh his thinking about needing to be more solid and then at times they need to have an extra player further forwards and they need to try and win um so he's trying to be more positive but then after bad results that it had changed so i think what would be good is if he eddie Howe can settle on a way of playing and one system for at least until some new players can be brought in to to help those who are here and to improve the team and, and improve the squad in January and then beyond. Um, because sometimes from one week to the next, people who watch Newcastle regularly don't know how they're going to line up and how they're going to play. And there's been changes in personnel as well. I know a lot of supporters would like to see Federico Fernandez play. I've always thought he's been really impressive, although maybe earlier this season he wasn't showing his best form. But then you've got Fabian Scher as well, who has only played uh, twice, I think, for Newcastle this season and, and not at all since August, even though he's still been um, selected by Switzerland to play in their World Cup qualifiers. So you've got another player there who's good on the ball. Now, could that fit in with the way Eddie Howe wants to play? Because certainly in possession at the back, Newcastle aren't great and, and with John Anderson, the former Newcastle player who's our, our co-commentator on BBC Newcastle, because of his his history in the game, you know, he looks at the defence a lot and there's a couple of thing, things that really bug him and number one is when they play out short from the back with a goalkeeper and Ando always says that you've got to know your players and Newcastle don't have the ability on the ball generally speaking to get it short from the goalkeeper and play it out from the back now shares better on the ball and fernandez is as well but they're not playing and the other one is as well their play from the back is is too slow and i think their play is too slow generally going from defence to midfield i mean chelsea's it might be an, ext- an extreme example because they were top when they came but when chelsea were getting a free kick players were on the move before the ball had even been put down and then the ball was moved quickly and and, and just the speed of thought and movement and everything was in direct contrast to the, the slow pace of Newcastle's play. So starting from the back, if they can be better on the ball but play a bit quicker, I think that would really help. But also you look at the, the individuals there and they've been good players for Newcastle over the years. Some of them have been... Serving the club for a long time and were there in the championship, which I guess is another issue and another discussion point. Um, but it, it's you know any any analysis of the defense, I don't think is any criticism of their efforts uh, or their character, because I think they've all been great in their own way at times and 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 sometimes together. But you know they've been playing with a central defense that served them well in the championship five seasons ago, and then you've got two others who were brought in in 2018. You know, the centre of defence hasn't been strengthened or refreshed since then. And it's been an area that Rafa Benitez looked at and an area that Steve Bruce had been desperate to alter, to change, to bring more pace in and more ability on the ball into. So looking ahead to January, it's obviously got to be a priority for them. I'm not quite sure what the solution is at the moment for Brentford, but but I, I'm fascinated by um, the idea of Eddie Howe's first team because... Uh, He's obviously done his work, homework on the players, and and it, look, he knew about them anyway, of course. But I just wonder how much working with them over the last week or what will be nearly two weeks ahead of Brentford will uh, colour his thinking regarding the team for the weekend, and will he be doing something different to what he expected based on his experience of working with the players? It's, it's going to be really, really interesting.
1: Well, you make an interesting point there because in his interview, I think it was with the club or with Sky, he, he made the point that he's going to kind of stick to his principles. But then like you, you kind of hinted there when he's working with these players. And it, it's really interesting when you watch Freddie Woodman in goal and the, 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 the two centre-backs were at the side of him. And he, he was very reluctant to pass yeah. the ball out to them and I haven't seen Carl Darlow after. I don't think the same now happens to Carl Darlow. I think he just gets rid of it kind of thing. But that spoke volumes. And I just wonder, like you say, is it a case that wait till January, get the players in that he wants, and then he can stick to all of his footballing principles? Whereas right now, points are the main thing. He looks at these players. He, he can see that, you know, no disrespect to LaSalle's a Clark. They're not the best at playing out from the back. Um, and he, he kind of just maybe just doesn't do what he wants straight away he just focuses on getting those results and making sure newcastle just tighten up at the back and then like we say come january he can then move move forward
2: yeah well with freddie woodman i mean we noticed this as well um he would think about it and then wave them forwards and and maybe that's because he he playing at swansea where obviously there'd been a lot of football on the floor um you know he he was used to passing it out to defenders who were were maybe more comfortable at, at, at a A level below I I must add Um, so yeah so that was that was certainly um, an obvious change but there will have to be some some tweaks won't there for Brentford because what was there before um, to put it bluntly wasn't working in the sense that Newcastle hadn't won now Graham Jones got them two points from from three games and and two points from two away matches and it would have been three at Brighton um, despite a a, a pretty off-colour, an awful first half, uh, had Callum Wilson not been fouled when he went round the keeper. Um, so, at least they'd picked up a couple of points, and you could see under Graham Jones, couldn't you, at times, um, especially against Chelsea and Brighton, where you basically had everyone behind the ball, and everyone sitting in, and it was very, very structured, um, and, and rigid, and disciplined, in that sense. So, You would hope that there would be more of that when they have to defend, but then can they put on a little bit more going the other way? Can they be more positive and more on the front foot, which is how Eddie Howe played at Bournemouth. Yes, you've got to have the players to do it, but an argument that a lot of fans have made this season and last, and maybe even for the entirety of Steve Bruce's time, is that these players are capable of more. And you might look at Newcastle and say, well, they're most effective players, despite having some very good goalkeepers, their most effective players are up front in attack, are Callum Wilson, Alan San Maxima, Joe Willock, who hasn't hit the heights that he scaled last season, but we know what he's capable of. And then even other players who can produce moments and give you quality, um, leaving aside the miss at Watford. But Jacob Murphy, for example, who was back in the team um, at Brighton. So if that's where the better players are, Can they get that balance that Steve Bruce spoke about, that Rafa Benitez spoke about, until you can make some hopefully significant changes in January to give the team a better chance of staying up?
1: Yes, the short blanket, that's what Rafa Benitez always used to say. Um, We're going to hear from Junior Turner in a moment, the singer of Banks of the River Time, but just before I play that interview with him, just briefly, Matthew, because I know you might not want to uh, spend too much time on it, but it is a subject that Newcastle fans like talking about, and it is the question of John Joe Shelby. What do you think his future holds under Eddie Howe?
2: It's a great question and I I don't know what the answer is. Um, I think, I'm sure Eddie Howe will recognise that Shelby has an incredible amount of talent and he can do things with the ball and on the ball that no one else in Newcastle's squad can. And and that natural ability is there for all to see. I don't think that's ever been questioned. Um, Except maybe when he took the free kick at Brighton, when a player of his ability could quite easily... Stick it in the top corner or the bottom corner or just on target with a defender in goal. But um, what was
1: there? Uh, what was Ando's reaction? Because I wasn't listening. I was I was watching it. What was Ando's reaction to that?
2: Well, it, 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 there were other things in the game that made him um, <laughs> more annoyed than that. But then on reflection, um, afterwards, he, he I think um, came round to everyone else's way of thinking that they should have had a shot and just test the goalkeeper. Um, there was a had a defensive header from the cells in the first half that um, elicited a, a scream from Ando, which was akin to the just put it in the net, Jacob Murphy moment. Um, it, it was it was loud. I, I got a bit of a fright sitting next to him, um, and, and the people in front uh, remarked on it afterwards. Um, but he, Ando was actually more annoyed about the corner that Newcastle had right at the end, which was just whipped in, and he said, "Hanging up." Make the make the goalkeeper, the defender in goal come and catch it. Um, I mean, look, Lewis Dunk does most of his has most of his game on the floor because of the way Brighton play. But it's six foot four; he can head it. But is his handling good enough to come and catch it? Make him make him work. But yeah, the free kick. I mean, it's frustrating because he's I think out of anyone in the squad, he's the one that he that you'd want on it. Certainly out of anyone on the pitch. Um, Going back to the, the original point about Shelby, you know, all the ability in the world. Um, it's just the other aspects of his game, isn't it? You know, look, look at what happened against Spurs, two needless yellow cards. Um and often, you know, his his defensive work can be criticized. But but then, you know, there are times when he fulfills all of his duties um and 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 will put in a challenge and will get back. And last season for a little bit towards the end when he was playing during the good run, when he was almost as an extra centre-half, he dropped in against West Ham and against Liverpool. And When they came back against Liverpool, he was he was playing kind of just in front of two defenders, maybe even in the middle uh, of them, after Steve Bruce made a substitution. So that, that was interesting. Um, I remember when Match of the Day did some, I think it was Frank Lampard, um, and this is going back three and a half years now, I think, did some analysis on him. In a game at Bournemouth, when Newcastle were two up and Dwight Gale had scored twice. And I think he missed a great chance. And then they showed Bournemouth's two goals. And, and at least for one of them, Shelby was considered to be at fault. And it was about tracking back. So, yeah, that's something that he gets criticised for. Um, again, talking about the defence previously and how it hasn't really been refreshed. And new players haven't really come in. Central midfields may be another area that when you look at, at having Shelby and Hayden who played in the Championship um, and you've got Sean Longstaff there and there's Jeff Hendrick too. And obviously Joe Willock's part of things now. But, um, you know, again, I think it's another area that needs some attention. So what is Shelby's future? Well, you know, for ability on the ball, you make a case for him being in the team. For the other things, some fans would say that you don't need him. Um, so it's another decision that Eddie Howe will have to make. Um, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what the answer is.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And we'll now hear from Junior Turner, who, I would like to say, is Anthem Banks of the Red Times. has been played at St. James' Park for the last few home games. And more importantly, he's raising money for the NUFC Fans Food Bank with it selling a signed copy of his CD, signed by Eddie Howe. Um, I'll pop the, the link into that auction uh, below. Um, into the podcast description and on Twitter as well. But here is the interview with Junior Turner. I've heard a bit of the song there, Junior, and I've got to say, like, as soon as you hear it, what strikes you is kind of the pride within it. Can you just tell us a bit about how the song came about and, and the lyrics and what it means to you?
0: Yeah, of course you can. Um, during lockdown, um, in my line of work, being self-employed, sitting in the pubs, clubs, etc., there wasn't much happening. Um, but obviously, I've, I've released music in the past, and I've, I've got albums out and whatnot, and Spotify and stuff. So there was always that avenue to be ventured into. But again, because I think the way everyone felt, it, I didn't really have the creative flow. Um, so we, we were we were kind of um, out fishing. I uh, mean, me, me, Chris and we're talking about you know, like he, he's intrigued. He loves his music, and he's asking questions about you know, the, how do you write songs and and then I got on to, um, would you write another song? And I said, you know, it is, to be honest, I says when it comes to writing music, you've got to be in the moment. There's got to be something happening. But uh, uh, and the one thing I would love to do would be to write a, an anthem or a song about where where I'm from, the Northeast. So that kind of opened that door to to venture into. But um, as I've said many times before on other interviews and stuff. Because if you write a song like this, you've got to get it right. Um, because if you don't, it'll just be forgotten within five minutes, or you'll be slaughtered for it for the rest of your days. So I was I was very cautious about what I wrote, how I wrote it. Um, but uh, like we've got um, like obviously the shipyards and all that kind of resonates around my family. So. Um, I wanted it not to be a football song as such, but I wanted it just to to kind of encapsulate what what the northeast is. Um, so you know, again, it was it was just making sure that everything that the northeast stands for or has stood for as well, you know, because a lot of um, what what the song talks about sadly is, is no more. Um, but it, it's what makes the northeast great. So I, I wanted to gather that as well and make sure that was in there too.
1: You yeah, know, it certainly does not like you say, it kind of pays tribute to what has gone on in the past, you know, that the shipyards and what have you. I mean, the video itself is is really nice as well. Um, from completing the song, recording it, releasing it, to where we're at now, where it's actually been played at St. James's Park, how does that feel? I mean, did you ever expect something like that?
0: Uh no, I mean again when I when I, um, I, I don't think um it, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because you don't want to be big-headed when, when the song was first finished in the studio and you, you sit and press play on the mastered version and you sit and listen. And it wasn't until that actual moment that I I, I thought, you know, there's, there's a potential here for something to happen with this. I, I had a special feeling about it when I first heard the finished product. Um, So that being said, once it was done, um, then we got on to, you know, slowly easing it out there and just seeing what the initial public response was first and foremost um and it it just for the first time ever in my career um when people talk about viral and going viral um it just kind of blew out of proportion it was like a spider's web and it was quite special just to sit back and and watch and you kept thinking when does it end where does it end and then days weeks months have went by and um the opportunities that it's brought and, and the doors that it's opened, like I say, it's just ridiculous. And then when the call came to say St James's Park, I was like, <laughs> Where where does this all end? This is mad. Um so yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, it's found its home, I suppose that, that that's what, what can be said. I mean, to have to be where I'm from and not, not be a footballer. Uh, I'm never gonna play in front of the Gallagher then, which is every boy's dream. But uh, I, I suppose in my line of work and what I do, this is the next best thing. So, yeah, it's the best moment of my life.
1: Oh, fantastic. And w- what's it been like? Have you been at any of the games where you've actually heard it over the tannoy?
0: Yeah, we obviously, um, the, we've, been, we've been at the uh, Chelsea game and the Tottenham game. I mean, the Tottenham game is a special one because the new owners were introduced. Um, and it was played in, in the build-up to that. Um, the I think for about thirty minutes prior, it was all Geordie music. Um, Jimmy Neil's Big River, obviously, and War Flags. Um, there was the Bladen races. There was um, coming home Newcastle, and to be held in the same regard and, and, and played in among them was just absolutely crazy. And it's like sitting there thinking, "This can't be real." But um, it's it certainly, like I said, it's definitely a special, special thing and I'll never forget it as long as I live.
1: Well, it's a superb song and it's great to see it getting all the accolades it is. Now, you're doing something very special as well because you managed to get a copy of it signed by the new Newcastle United head coach, Eddie Howe, down at the training ground and that's up for <laughs> auction. On eBay, um, and yeah. at the last time of checking, it's currently at three hundred and fifty-seven pounds, and the proceeds is going to then your city fans food bank, which is a great gesture, especially this time of the year as well, where awesome. you know demand's going to go through the roof and every penny counts. Yeah. Just explain to me what happened that day, then when you managed to get anyhow to sign it. Um,
0: we were we were nearby to the training ground actually, um and we were. I'm trying to think what we're doing. We're on our way somewhere to drop CDs off or something or, or, or the other. And we're passing the training ground and I said, we'll just pop my head in and just see if, he, if he's there or thereabouts. Because it was the day of his press conference unveiling. And it was around quarter past two mark. And I thought, if he's going to be leaving the training ground to get to St James, it's got to be anything now. Um, and literally within five minutes of pulling in, we parked the car up and walked back near the other gates. And sure enough, he came out. And... Um, I, I think there was about 10 kids around, you know, and you know what the kids are like, they're all. So I let them have their little moment and and then um, I just, I said to them, I said, look Ed, I says I've uh, released this song. Um, it's a Northeast song and um, it, it's getting played in St James' Park, etc." I didn't want to keep them there too long. I said, I would just appreciate it. Could you sign a copy for us, please? Yeah, yeah, no problem. You didn't even, you know, absolutely superb about it. So he signed it, and then uh, straight away, obviously, the, the, the CD itself prior to this is on sale, obviously, like to the back page, uh, Granger Market. Um, and from every sale, we've already been given a pound. Um, From every copy sold on CD, uh, we've been given a pound to the food bank. So as soon as it got signed, it, it, well, obviously, because of the connection with the food bank, and like you just said, Christmas is coming and all that. I, I'd already kind of thought this through that, if if the chance arose um then this would be what I would do with it so sure enough we'll put it on uh, eBay and uh it, it went crazy
1: it has it's great to see so much raised so far um we'll put the link to the auction in the comments so you can go over and uh, bid on it if you if you feel the need to as well just explain to us uh junior why the food bank you know I know um, it's it's so important in the community to the city. It's nice to see the club as well, having that connection with the yeah. volunteers. But for you, why have you chosen to help the Food Bank?
0: It's um, I've, I've worked with loads of charities over the years, 20, 21 years or something, singing in pubs and clubs. <clears throat> I've worked with a lot of charities, but... Um, I always said, you know, I've kind of in the back of my head got a bucket list of who I would like to support, but you know, them that's caught your attention along the way and stuff. And I've worked with cancer charities, I've worked with obviously like charities that touch my own life and my own family, etc. So I've always tried to support um, them kind of charities. And in this one, um, it was um, obviously being a Newcastle supporter, I've seen how big the uh, the charities become. Um and I just thought you know what it is. I, I wanna I want to do something for them, but I didn't want I didn't want to just walk up on a match day and put 10 pound in a book it, it just um like I say the, the opportunities had come my way in my line of work th- there's always an opportunity that perhaps raises that a little bit more money or offers that a little bit more support and sure enough this this song came along and as soon as the song came along then it was uh the food bank all the way and obviously now, as you see, um, this signed CD is once again a, a, another opportunity to support such an amazing cause.
1: It is amazing. I mean, like I said, the time of recording three hundred and fifty-seven pounds is the current bid. We hope it goes up and beyond four quid. But you just must be <laughs> bowled over by that that amount of money.
0: It, it it's amazing because again, you, you just think like, where does it end? How does it stop? Um, what, what? It. I mean, what was it? Something like an hour? been online it was like 150 quid I'm just thinking wow this is like ridiculous and it kept going up and up not and up. my phone was buzzing every five minutes and it was like and the funny part was it was going up by like two and three quid a time so that like eventual amount of 300 odd quid took like like a day and a half it was like back and forth so um you know I mean let's hope but we'll push for more but I mean 357 quid to a food bank it, it's got to it's got to do some substantial help out. hope
1: yeah, most certainly. And you mentioned there, uh, like, hearing the the, um, the the song being played in James' Park is like, the, 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 one of the best moments of your life. Um, what next for you? Is the dream to perform it maybe on the turf at St James' Park?
0: <laughs> You're not the first person. I'm sure you won't be the last to ask this. I'm not a person to put my neck on the line and say that, that it's got to happen already. But it, it, if it came my way via whatever such avenue finds its, its way there, then I'm more than willing to do that. Um, I mean, I've, I've had some opportunities this um, past, say, two months that I would never have had otherwise. I got to perform at it at um, Wonderball, um, the Mad Mick pre-match um, show um, before the Chelsea game, to um, so about 2,000 Geordies, and I got to sing it there, and um, that was... It, that was the moment that I knew the song was what it was because they were die-hard supporters and if it, was, it wasn't it uh, was to their liking, then I was going to find out the hard way. And within three words of the song, they were singing the whole song thereafter. And it was just one of those moments where you stand and think, how many other people get to experience this? Um, and then, like, uh, you know, coming up, I mean, uh, Friday coming, I'm on the pitch at Newcastle Blue Star. Um, performing the song at their game at half time. Um, then I'm at the Irish Centre an hour later, performing alongside um, Malcolm MacDonald at the Steve Race podcast Christmas Party. It's just mad. It's just mad. But you know, it is as long as this train keeps going, I'm on board.
1: Uh, well, that's brilliant. hear. Yeah. And of course, you you got to meet the new head coach as well, which must be a, a nice feeling for a fan. I mean, Eddie Howey's. Very busy man, but to take the time to, to sign it. Do we think he's he's actually heard the song as well? Fingers crossed. Uh, fingers
0: crossed he gets to hear it. Um, one of the, the nice parts for this song was, um, I'm already friends with Neil Stoker, who was the kit man at St James's Park. And uh, it was via him that I found it found its way into St James's Park because he um he was one of the first people to hear it and first people to get it on CD. um Because him himself, he grew up in Walls End, down by the shipyards and stuff, so... The song resonated with him not only Newcastle United but from a personal level, and he um, he was on board with it um, in terms of he it was his efforts. I got you know the music video uh, us to shoot some of it in St James's Park. That was all Neil's uh, support doing that for us. So again, Neil's got the song, and from what I'm told, it's been prior to it, um, Eddie Howe come along. It's been played on the team coach uh, in a pre season friendly. Um, so, it's in and around the ground. So, hopefully, it won't be too long before anyhow you get to hear it.
1: Fingers crossed. Maybe it's played before Newcastle kick off against Brentford and hopefully get their first win of this Premier League season. Uh, all that's left to do, really, Junior, is just point us in the direction of where people can find you, your website, where people can, can buy the, the song.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you want to uh, get the song, you can obviously Spotify is the, the, the mainstream now. Uh, Turn Spotify to be streamed. Uh, it's on iTunes, on Amazon. So, again, you know, they've got their own platforms for streaming. So, it's on there. Your Google, your Alexa, all that kind of stuff plays it. But if you want to go that one step further and support the food bank, um, then um, if you're running around town, the back page, both Newcastle and the Metro Center, they've got copies in. And a pound from each sale goes to the food bank. And also, it's in uh, Granger CDs in the Granger market. So, again, if you wanted to go that extra step and uh, help such an amazing cause, then. Uh, that's what you can do to do that.
1: There we have it, Matthew. I mean, you would have heard that song uh before the uh the games against Spurs, Chelsea and I think it was West Ham as well, and you'd probably hear it again against Brentford. Um quite a catchy song. And I guess it again, it's little things like that that just kind of Open the club up, wasn't it? You know, to, to let this, this, this guy in, this Newcastle United fan, this 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 local uh, singer, and to, to really achieve his dream of having his song at Newcastle United is brilliant, and in turn, it's, it's helping the food bank as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we know that Newcastle's fans and the people of the area um, are very keen to support the food bank and the great work that they do. Um, so that is that is really important. I first saw a clip of the song on Twitter a while ago, and and we had Junior Turner on the radio last week as well to talk about it, um, which was nice. And I think the song um, fits in nicely with the the pre-match playlist and the build-up to the games at St. James's Park. And um, if it became a permanent thing, like certain other songs um, have, then that, I think that would be quite nice. I think it has its place um, and it's found its place at St James's. So, yeah, long may it uh, long may it continue, and and good for him as well to to have that kind of success and that exposure and that recognition because I'm sure that that means a lot, doesn't it, to have your song played at St James's Park, especially given uh, its content and and you know what it means for him being from here. So, yeah, it's um, it's all positive.
1: Yeah, most certainly is. We'll now move on finally to the January transfer window because that is where a lot of people's attention is turning to. Obviously, when you get Newcastle out of the relegation zone, and, and, and Matthew, I mean, I suppose that's the, the first point where they are in the league come January is really going to affect the kind of players they need to sign in and and probably can sign. Amanda Stavely said in the interview last week, you know, the, you know, they're looking at it. There are plans afoot. They don't. They wouldn't really necessarily want to invest in January because you can't get you know, value for money. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but that was kind of the, the, the gist of it. Um, but of course, the squad needs the investment. But it's not as simple as that, is it? Because you can go to a player in Germany or Spain who's maybe in a top four club and say, come to Newcastle, but they're in the relegation zone Newcastle. Is a, is a good player going to take the risk? And, and do, do you need to target players who have got a bit, maybe a bit more of a fight in them, a bit more experience in this situation?
2: Uh, well, you need the right mix, the right blend, um, and what you need is players who are better than the ones they have now. Because otherwise, there's no point. And that's stating the obvious, I know, but I, I think that will be um, that will be what it, it informs uh, their their attempts in January because it's such a crucial window, and there are. Most areas of the team really that, that require uh, some attention. We've talked about central defence, central midfield. Um, they need another striker, and, and I'm sure that some fans might would, would look at the wide areas and fullback areas too. Uh, you can only do so much in January for financial reasons, but also because some players aren't available and, and maybe don't want to move mid season. Um, if you have to go abroad, well, yeah, I think p- people will understand what's happened at Newcastle. Uh, and like I said earlier, we'll see it as an opportunity. So whether that's players or agents or even other clubs by uh, making players available, maybe sticking a few more millions on the price tag, well, so be it. That That's just the way that it has to be. But um, one thing that is getting, I think, a little bit tiresome is seeing Newcastle linked to all these um, elite level players who are at Champions League clubs who are the next big thing uh, or who are some of the biggest stars in the game at the moment. You know, yes, it's nice to dream, but actually at the minute, it's, it's about getting players who are suited to the, the task at hand. And that is a relegation fight. So when you look at names, when you see other names like James Tarkovsky at Burnley, you think, well, I think that would be ideal because he's very good. I think he's better than some of the players he'd be competing with for a place here. However, even though there's a contractual situation, would Burnley be willing to let him go to clearly a rival club? Then, you know, maybe not. But that is the more realistic type of target that you feel that they would go for. Um, And and it may well be they have to rely on loans as well, but they didn't make any loan signings uh, famously in the summer, um, despite uh, what was a bit of a strange deadline day. Um, and and no one coming in. So if it's loans, if it's permanent signings, if it's a mixture, um fair enough. But the fact that there's money to spend and that they're committed to doing what's necessary or as much as they can is is I think what the fans want to hear in terms of reassurance.
1: Definitely. And you mentioned Tarkovsky there, I and mean, that's a name that Newcastle United fans would love to see. I think I don't think you get many people arguing uh, against that if he was one of the players to arrive again. It's it's kind of drummed up against uh by in my opinion, pundits and, and people that don't really understand the they paint your Castle night fans in an unfair light about being unrealistic. I've not seen anyone uh, seriously suggest that Mbappé is on his way to Tyneside. <laughs> uh but there you have it. I just want to play this clip from Shay Given who again was at the foundation dinner he was inducted into the Hall of Fame which was brilliant um, he, I asked him about what uh, kind of player Newcastle need to attract in January and what his message would be to any potential arrivals. Well I think you have to be a certain player to be able to play at this club and, uh, and I think that's you know uh, the recruitment has to be right you know I think players have signed in the past even in my time and, and, and it was a bit too much for them you know with a 50,000 whatever stadium and you know if you give a bad pass away then you know naturally people would grow in or more but that's when you multiply every 50,000 people it sounds like a boo but that's just human nature you know so I think it takes bravery and, and to get on the ball I mean bravery by, by half and somebody to tackle I mean to get on the ball and, 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 and to show that that doesn't affect you in fact it should give you the opposite effect I think New uh, St James should be made into more of a fortress again and be, try and play a little bit more on the front foot and and, and use the fans because Even my teams have been some just okay players, but I feel if they give everything to the cause and to the shirt, then you know these fans will get behind them. There you have it, Matt. I mean, Shea said there. You know, you have to be a certain player to be able to play at this club. The recruitment has to be right. If anyone knows uh, what it takes to play for Newcastle United, it is someone like Shea Given. And I guess what's interesting, it's not just about playing in front of fifty-two thousand people, as he mentioned there. You've got other things now. You've got all the attention that has come with the new owners. And you mentioned it earlier in the show. You know, there are certain elements um, that need to be discussed, that should be addressed, that shouldn't be brushed in the carpet. Eddie Howe was asked about human rights and what have you in his press conference. And he said, you know, I'm just concentrating on the football. A lot of fans didn't like that question being asked. I thought it was a question that needed to be asked. Eddie Howe seemed to be ready for it. And I, I assume any player that signs for Newcastle United is also probably going to face similar questions. So that adds an, an extra bit of pressure on, on what was already, you know, a big move for most players.
2: Yeah. Um, and look, those serious issues and, and questioning of the club and people involved in the club at whatever level uh, are not going to go away. And, um, you know, this is very important. But we see and and understand the reasons why supporters are unhappy um, that the club is under the microscope because of all of this. Like I said earlier, the, the fans have uh, no control in in who owns the club. If they had, Mike Ashley wouldn't have been here for 14 and a half years. Um, and and I, I, I said at the time that I always felt the takeover was more about Ashley leaving than who came in um, because Fans have been campaigning and protesting uh, and calling for Ashley to go for most of his time at the club. So they wanted him out. They don't get to select the next owners. But the fact that the new people in charge have access to a serious amount of money is a bonus in football terms. But then obviously everything else that comes with it because of Saudi Arabia's involvement, um, you know, is is going to attract attention and scrutiny. And look, it is important um, and it's, it's a fact of life now for Newcastle and, and for the fans. For players, well, I, I think they will take the view that Eddie Howe um, put across in his press conference about it being only about the football and they will see it as an opportunity to come somewhere where um, you know, maybe there's going to be more money available for them in their contracts, but also a chance to be part of something uh, that the new owners and the new head coach want to build. And if they can see that is exciting and a platform for them, well, that will help Newcastle attract better players. They're certainly a more attractive prospect in a football sense than they were in the summer, than they were at the beginning of October because there's ambition now and there is obviously money available and there will be, um, you know, clearer plans and Um, With further appointments in time, you would think to help run the club, whether it's director of football, um, chief executive or or whatever, um, there will be um, a path forward and, and a vision that they can put across to players and agents. So maybe they'll find it a bit easier to sell Newcastle now to potential targets, which may have been a problem in the past, though that said, They have still, even during more difficult times uh, under the Mike Ashley ownership, been able to attract good players because there are some good players here. And we've mentioned some of them already, uh, but they need to go and get more. And January is going to be critical towards that. So what you hope, I think, finally, before you get to January and, you know, there are what around 10 games until the window opens or that might include Southampton on the 2nd of January. But They've got to be away from the the relegation zone. And I think they can do that. And then, of course, you're in a better position and you're not second bottom without a win. Hopefully, Um, you know, you, you might still be in a relegation fight, but you can look up the table into the second half of the season and say to players, well, look, we're fighting relegation, but we're not, you know, knee deep in trouble. So that, I think, will be really important. The next few weeks are critical. And then December's going to be tough. But maybe if they get off to a good start, then they can go into it in a, in, in a better frame of mind. So we'll see. I just think, lastly, it, it's really exciting now. And you've said it already about um, how the mood among the fans is quite good. I mean, have you ever known the mood to be so positive and optimistic about the club's future when they're second bottom and in a relegation battle? No, but that's because of the takeover. And, you know, it feels different now because it is different. The club has changed and will continue to change. And there will be ups and downs and there will be scrutiny and there'll be criticism of the new owners when things don't go well. But there is support for them there now and a lot of goodwill and hope that um, the decisions they've made so far will prove to be the right ones. So we'll see. But I think it is really exciting for anyone who cares about Newcastle from a, a football standpoint where the club is and where it's going even if the immediate challenges are looking quite difficult but um yeah saturday against brentford um could be another great day
1: hopefully fingers crossed hopefully newcastle get the three points and can start to fight their way out of that relegation zone matthew thank you as always for joining us on the everything is black and white podcast to you guys listening please remember to like and subscribe or follow uh, depending on which platform you are listening through, and please leave us a review if you get the chance as well. And head over to ChronicleLive.co.uk, where we'll bring you all the latest Newcastle United news, including Eddie Howe's press conference ahead of Brentford later this week.